On today's episode, our all-gay panel will be reviewing 1996 classic The Birdcage and discuss times in our lives where we've had to butch it up or pretend to be straight. What up, what up, listeners, and welcome to You Better Represent podcast, where each week we discuss representation in a minority-led film with a member of that community and debate a cultural topic that is plucked from the movie's themes. I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians, and joining me for today's show is comedian, writer, actor, filmmaker, Robert Watson. Yes, I'm queer, I'm here, and even I'm not used to it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So before we jump into the movie review, what was the most memorable part of your week, Robert? Gosh, well, I mean, there was a a certain certain friend uh, celebrating a, a surprise birthday party yesterday that I got to attend and roast a very good comedian friend of mine, and uh, yeah, it was a really good time. And I mean, I mean, hey, we're still in a pandemic, so I'm doing what a lot of other people are doing, you know, doing getting on those vaccine lists or thinking about getting on vaccine lists or wondering if I'm eligible for a vaccine list. So, you know, it's one of those kind of fun weeks where you treat uh, vaccines like you're getting concert tickets, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, as uh, as Robert mentioned, it was uh, I had a surprise Zoom birthday party yesterday. Yeah, surprise. Um, it was Vong's surprise birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I was not aware this was going to happen, and Robert uh, was one of the performers in a roast of me, and I thought it was super hilarious. Um, listen, I don't care what people are talking about, as long as they're talking about me, I am happy. So uh, I'm almost like the perfect person for a roast. You could say anything, as long as it's my name in it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad you say that, because I was, I was the toughest one on you, so uh, I was like, oh no, everyone else is going to saying some nice things intermixed with their roast. I better, I better what do I say that's nice? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was super fun. It was my first roast ever, um, and I loved it. And, you know, it was hosted by Selena Vile, who is my favorite drag queen in oh, she's all of Canada, really. And, uh, you know, it was a huge surprise. So I do want to thank um i want to thank my manager david arnold and my boyfriend mike for putting that all together and getting together people who really didn't know each other i'm i'm quite um surprised that they're able to figure out which people from my social media to invite because it's tough to know who i know in real life versus who i know you know people from shows and different things so yeah so if you weren't on the list if you weren't at this then i guess you're one of those people on social media that, uh, <laughs> moving on, huh? <laughs> all, I'm, all I'm going to say is if, uh, the people who are missed, I had no idea. I had no part in the invite. So, uh, <laughs> oh my uh, God, I'm, my I'm totally putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the other thing, probably the best part about turning 40 um, is that I qualified for the vaccine. So I Yes, that's in, right. Um, and I got my first shot. And I actually had some pretty severe symptoms for like two days. 
But I was, it was the happiest I was to be like stuck in bed. Cause I was like, you know what? I might have symptoms, but that means that the vaccine is yeah, doing what yeah. it's supposed to do. I'm building antibodies. And, you know, I was really worried because I've got like respiratory issues and like mm-hmm. lower oxygen, um, oxygen intake and uh, penetration in my blood um, than say the average. Usually penetration is a good thing, but not in this case. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know, I've 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 got my my first of two shots, and hopefully, I can get the second shot sometime. I think they said within three or four months. Um, yeah, I mean, mine's this week. I I was online and I did the concert thing, and I got tickets. And uh, so yeah, I'm happy. Uh, I'm having this this week, so I'm not too far behind you. And I'm looking forward to those symptoms. Fantastic. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, let's move on to the movie review and uh, let's start with a quote-unquote uh, hook. I like to start off with uh, an intriguing hook. So here we go. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, Robin Williams, I miss you so much, but in the birdcage, Nathan Lane was so brilliant that this might be the only time I have ever seen Robin Williams upstaged by another actor in his own movie that is very hard to do so congratulations to nathan lane um so the movie we're reviewing this week is the birdcage which came out in 1996 and it is about a gay cabaret owner and his drag queen companion um who agree to put up a false straight front so that their son can introduce them to his fiance's right wing moralistic parents uh the film stars uh, the amazing late departed Robin Williams as Armand uh, and a, a star making turn by Nathan Lean as Albert slash Starina. And it's actually got quite an amazing supporting cast of Gene Hackman, Diane Weiss, Dan Futterman, Callista Flockhart, Hank Azaria, and Christine Baranski. Um, it was based on a play written by Jean Poiré called mm-hmm. La Cage au Fall. Um, sorry yeah. for my uh, no, that was good. Uh, that was pretty good French pronunciation. <laughs> um, and it is a remake of the 1978 Franco-Italian film of that same name, and it was directed by Mike Nichols. Um, now, uh, you know, we always talk about representation on this show. So before we jump into our overall reactions, I will say, um, this was basically an all white cast from what I can tell, um, and largely straight actors with a notable exception of Nathan Lane. Of course, this was in 1996, so Mm -hmm. it was a different time period. So our review of the, um, representation is important, but it's also important to mention this was... 25 years ago and so we will take that into account now let's uh head on over to uh, robert watson what was your overall reaction um to the birdcage well i first of all i do think that this movie was a bit of a game changer for visibility uh for our community although i mean being said yes like white cast even the characters that weren't white were played by uh were played by white actors uh hank azaria uh notably as the guatemalan uh uh agador 
uh, character <laughs> playing Guatemalan with the accent and everything. I mean, Hank Azaria, well known for playing characters that he really has yeah. no right to, but, uh, you know, he's, uh, that said, did a great job. But representation wise, I mean, we're, look, we're looking at 1996, the most, one of the most famous, uh, mo- movies with gay characters before that or recently around the time was Philadelphia. Uh, and this time in the nineties in general, like everything about, uh, everything about a, a gay man seemed to have to relate to AIDS or relate to some sort of suffering. So to see such a joyous film and so funny, I mean, uh, thank, thank God they found Nathan Lane, uh, because I did find that, uh, originally, uh, Robin Williams was supposed to play, uh, the role played by Nathan Lane and they were going to get Steve Martin in to play Armand. Oh. Uh, but because of schedules, it got all mixed up. And, and uh, Rob Williams, just coming off uh, playing uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, was like, mm, can't we find, you know, I've done this, sort of, sort of, sort of. Uh, can we find someone else? And thank goodness they found, it, you know, the one actual queer person who I believe was even out at the time, uh, mm. or, or at least, like, he wasn't saying no when people asked him if he was gay. Either way, he was uh, definitely the most very visibly queer in the movie. Um <laughs> Uh, so it was great that, that to see at least one person, one queer person, queer character being actually played by uh, mm-hmm. a gay actor, queer actor, um, and I mean, just you know, when you take into consideration that it was made in '96, and you just like yeah. live in live in that uh, that world, it it is just such a joyous movie and fun to watch, despite all of the horrible plot holes and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I. You know, there were there were definitely some plot holes, but it's almost one of those movies where, for me, it was about, you know, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane and, mm-hmm. you know, somewhat about, about Gene Hackman as well. But basically, it was about whether I cared um, about and believed in the two main characters. And honestly, their energy was just so spectacular. These performances yeah. <laughs> from Nathan Lane and Robin Williams, it was just magical it's it's so tough to be so over the top, but for it to still be believable enough that I care about, like they weren't mm-hmm. playing it like sarcastically, like it was over the top, but we were still meant to believe in their emotions. So yes. they weren't like playing it over the top, but then like throwing away the emotional aspect. So that's a really, really hard as an actor to do. And I should know because I'm a terrible actor, so um, I would not be able to pull any of this off. So I just have a lot of, you know, admiration that they were able to make me care about such over-the-top characters that somehow I still feel like could exist in real life. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, how how many of us know people who maybe don't live their entire lives like uh, Albert, Nathan Lane's character in, in the movie, but like we have our moments where, where you know, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, a girly scream comes out of me at least twice a day. So, I mean, I identify <laughs> with that. Although I will say if you want to like play, if you play a drinking game of every time Nathan Lane lets out a, a girlish squeal, you will be drunk five minutes into the movie. So maybe don't do that. Uh <laughs> But yeah, no, like they're, these are real. They, you can see them as real people because people are dramatic, uh, especially people in in, uh, in our uh, subculture, uh, sort of air towards the dramatic for fun and entertainment sake, and just because why not be an out outsized person, an outsized personality. Um, but uh, and what's interesting is when you look at Nathan Nathan Lane's character in this, or just 
I, and I do believe it's this role of Albert, how much it has influenced probably po uh, popular culture about how to perceive gay men for better or worse. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I can't help but think of Nathan Lane when I watch Modern Family and I see the character of, of Cameron. Like, I go, oh, that makes me mm -hmm. think of uh, the birdcage and Nathan Lane um, in some in, in some ways. So I, the, the influence that this movie had on the culture uh, and even to today, I think, uh, you know, is significant. Yeah, no, that, you know, I, I hadn't heard of the backstory with, with Steve Martin or other um, other uh, straight actors up for the role, but I, uh, that's amazing to hear, and it's, I honestly couldn't imagine this with anybody other than Nathan oh Lane. He was just, <laughs> he embodied the character. It was just such a spectacular performance. Yeah. Um, and even when you compare... Even when you compare it to like today's, like we we talked about, we've talked about um, James Corden in Prom, and he's also playing a flam a flamboyant character. But there, I don't know. There's a there is a truth to the way Nathan Lane did this when you if you compare it to it. And funnily enough, you know you, these are movies twenty five years apart uh, as well. But uh, it just shows that you can be a flamboyant character and not. Mm -hmm. And and it's and the joke's not on on the character like you're part of it. Yeah. Whereas I whereas in other movies where you see some straight actors playing gay roles and you know that they're making a comment with it. Uh, but with this one, it's yeah. just glorious joy and it's something that our community desperately needed in 1996. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I was in probably grade ten, I believe, in 1996, and I, <laughs> I do remember seeing this. Um, Way back when, I think it was probably part of our like gay film club. Um, in uh, you know, I saw when it first came out, then we had like a gay film club in university, and I, I probably haven't seen it in the last 20 years, so it was really, really refreshing. And of course, I worried, I was like, is it gonna hold up? And I'm watching, yeah. and I was like, it a million percent holds up. You absolutely yeah. <laughs> should watch this 25 years later. Um, oh, and especially if you because... haven't. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, now let's uh, jump into some of the, some of the other characters. Uh, you know, the, probably the other major character is played by Gene Hackman. He plays Senator Keeley um, with his uh, wife, Diane Weist playing uh, Louise who are the parents of Barbara, played by Calista Flockhart, who, of course, is about to marry Val, who mm -hmm. is Armand and Albert's son, or Armand's son, um, with his, uh, well, not, not his, I guess his one-time fling, uh, Catherine, played by Christine Bransky. Okay, I yes. just made, like, a lot of... I so there's, there's other people on this. Yes, there's other yeah. people. Uh, I do think it's yeah. uh, it's significant to to note Dan Futterman, who plays Val, the son. He is, I think, the other way, place where he's best recognized from is he played a four uh, episode arc on Will and Grace as Will's love interest Barry, uh, and that that four arc episode, it's uh, parts one through four, are called Fagmalian. So if you want to see him oh. in action <laughs> on Will and Grace, that's one thing that that he was into. Also, he was the writer of Capote, the movie. He wrote the screenplay oh. for it. So, like, he's multi-talented, which is great, because I really didn't like his character in this movie. So, uh, yeah. so I'm glad he did other yeah. things I've liked. <laughs> I did not like either the son or the daughter. And it's funny, because I do like Dan Fetterman, and I love Calista Flockhart. Yeah. I'm a huge, huge, huge Ally McBeal fan. But some reason, their love story, I just wasn't 
buying it. Probably also because they were the ones that were asking um, Robin Williams and Nathan Lean to like butch it up. Uh, obviously, yeah. that kind of made them not my favorite characters. Uh, somewhat understandable, at least. I, I could, they were believable. I could see somebody asking their parents to do that, but they didn't come off as sympathetic. Let's put it that no, way. No, they didn't. And really, when you look at if you like looking through a lens of uh, 2021, you go, okay, uh, Val is Armand and Albert's son, raised by both of them, and he wants Albert, the more feminine of of his two dads, to leave or hide it. But he's grown up with this dad, so uh, that's where I was like, wow, okay, they're really asking us to suspend our disbelief in order to believe that this this son uh, would would suddenly want to uh, his his father to just just like get out of the picture so he can be with this conservative to impress the conservative family. Like, I mean that maybe in 96, but I definitely don't, I don't feel it today. And it does, I mean, it's, it's the writing, but it it does make you go, boy, what a crappy son. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of funny to me that the, the movie, um, the movie succeeded in, in spite of me, not really, believing in their love story or really even wanting them to succeed. So that just shows how, how powerful the other characters were. Now, um, Gene Hackman played Senator Keeley, Republican. Yes. You know, what was it? A founder of the moral something, the moral authority code, whatever, you know, we, we all know who these people are in real life. We, we kind of get who he's, he's trying to play. What, what, what were your thoughts on, on Gene Hackman's character and his wife, Louise? Well, it's interesting because he he's doubling down on this moral thing after his predecessor gets caught in in a scandal. So um, the whole time it has that air of politics to it, where where it's keeping up his appearances as much as what do you actually uh, believe in uh, as a politician? Which you know, if if the public's perception changes, so do the politicians. So uh, I mean, I thought it I thought it came came down that that part of it was all very. You know, like I could see that happening, and then you know, all of it is set to to just serve the the Nathan Lane and um and Robin Williams storyline, so that we can have maximum hilarity. So I so I appreciate that somehow they get these this conservative you know these conservative families into a house where they've had to remove all the nude art, where they've had to like make it look like a, a Catholic monastery basically in order to impress uh a, a impress Val's uh fiance's parents, Calista Flockhart's character's parents. And, you know, I mean, of course, and you know, the, the naivety of Diane Weist's character playing, uh, playing the conservative mom, uh, was probably what I really enjoyed because it was played with a really great commitment. And that just this, uh, you know, there's this obtuseness of not really recognizing what's going on, which I, I found very enjoyable because there was an, a stupid innocence to it, which was just, which was a nice counterpoint to Gene Hackman's sort of like, I'm a moral, you know, uh, someone to look up to or something, I guess, or, you know, being the politician that he is. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, what, I, what I found interesting was that storyline they had of, you know, Senator Keeley, Gene Hackman's character, kind of almost like admiring or falling for a Nathan Lane sort of caricature oh of what a, what a female wife um, would be or a conservative woman. And, you know, they definitely milked that for a lot of laughs. I can really see how that works 
extremely well on stage um, and how it could have really went sideways on film because if I'm thinking I could see that interaction was clearly clearly written for the stage um yeah and it the way they translated it was i would say it got like 90 percent there which mm-hmm. is, which is great because it really could could have gone off the rails because um i do think like with with stage plays people have even extra suspension of disbelief where people are dressed up in different um you sure. know, in different genders and different things like that where on film you know, you're supposed to believe that Gene Hackman believes that Nathan Lean is an actual woman in this case. Um, and it could have really went sideways, but Gene Hackman um, had a sincerity in his admiration for Nathan Lean's character that I actually did, did believe. So I felt like they did toe the line pretty well there. Um, and then the jealousy of his of his wife as well, I thought was played just perfect. Just perfect. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and and also like looking at you know filming in the in the location south South Beach, Miami, uh, and mm. you know there. I mean, it, it's interesting because when, when you look at uh, you can re- you can tell when something's been a stage play before because there's so many more intimate scenes. You know, like wow, there's like, like really in this movie we're dealing with uh, a cast list of maybe uh, seven main characters, um, and who and that's something you know. We, that you, when you see all these intimate scenes, you'd be like, okay, yeah, I can feel the stage play of this uh, happening. And of course, you know, cross-dressing and uh, men playing women in the theater has been going on, you know, since the beginning of theater. So that there is something that achieves that familiarity uh, because it has that stage stage play kind of feel to it. Uh, so I so I agree, but there, there, like there was, there's almost a comfort in that, and, and a, that allows you to suspend your disbelief even more than if they were filming like a really realistic movie. Uh, and then what counters that is the fact that they have all these realistic uh, outdoor scenes mm. actually taking place in South Beach uh, with the fantastic uh, hotel fronts, and of course all of the activity that goes there. Uh, so they, I think they struck a balance where I felt like it's a movie, but I can tell it's sta- based on a stage play, but I didn't mind in any way like i thought i thought it actually heightened uh the enjoyment because it allows people to act a certain more flamboyant kind of uh yeah outsized kind of character yeah for sure for sure i like that they incorporated you know the different cities they added in the road trip because mm-hmm. you can just sort of see the what the structure of the play would be. You start out with the big musical numbers, and then you know at a certain point you switch over to the set of the of the of the dinner, and most of the um, most of the play would be um, at the dinner table. So yeah. to uh, to be able to translate that and add a little bit more variety in 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 the in the scenes, at least at the beginning of the movie, I thought really really helped to move it. Um, along now uh you know uh just wrapping up uh before we come back with our next segment just wanted mm-hmm. to throw out uh to robert any last thoughts on the birdcage and the legacy it has left 25 years later well i mean yes just if you haven't watched it um do yourself a favor uh and and it's also worth taking a look at look Kaja Fall, uh, which, uh, I mean, they made a mu- there's a musical of it as well, uh, which has some amazing, uh, songs in it, um, uh, I am what I am being uh, a, f- a fantastic one. Um, 
But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, whether you're straight, gay, or anywhere in between, you should be watching this movie and just in, enjoying the the mastery that is uh, Nathan Lane in this. And, you know, it's always great to see see Robin Williams, because when he does do what he does, uh, he, like, he gives a lot of space to Nathan Lane, but he, he takes his space in this, too. They're an amazing duo to watch, so watch it, watch it, watch it. Absolutely. I agree, agree, agree. Everybody <laughs> should watch this. It is timeless. It holds up. It honestly, it felt like the the movie just was so brisk. I think it it, it was it was actually a pretty long movie. It was like almost two hours. If it mm-hmm. honestly felt like like a one hour movie, it just it was just so energetic and so fast paced. And it just reminds me of you know Robin Williams. He was just so irreplaceable. That energy, yeah. that manic energy. I just don't understand where. You you just can't teach that. This man was just an extraordinary talent. And honestly, it makes me want to go look look up more Nathan Lane films um, because he is absolutely spectacular as well to match and even exceed Robin Williams' energy um, in this movie. Um, okay, so we will be taking a, a very short break, but after the break, we will be back to talk about our debate topic of the week, which is a plucked straight out of the themes of the movie. And our debate topic is uh, times in our lives where uh, <laughs> where uh, me and Robert had to either butch it up or felt pressured to uh, pretend that we were, we were straight. We'll be right back after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 website for details. What up, what up, listeners? We are back to talk about our debate topic of the week, which is plucked straight from the themes of our movie of the week, The Birdcage. And our debate topic of the week is times in our lives that me and Robert have either had to butch it up (laughs) or felt pressure to pretend to be straight. Let me just throw this to Robert because I would love to know, have... Has there been a time where you had to butch it up? <laughs> uh, I so I mean, as, as an actor going out for auditions, I've been sent out to things where where I was like, oh, this, whoa, why was this sent to me? But it's like you and your football friends are are standing <laughs> with a bud and and you're talking about the game. I'm like, all right, it's time to go into the deep voice now and uh, talk. But I mean, I I will say I have practiced working in retail because as a uh, as someone working retail, you sort of like scope out 
the the person or sort of like assess them and you know uh, inevitably there's going to be like some really butch straight men that that uh come up and, t- and talk to you and it's like and i can't I, I just end up mirroring them i can't help it it's like oh yeah man like yeah totally yeah i get it you know uh mm. that's all that voice is also how i imitate my brother as well it's like oh there's always like an oh in there uh whenever i uh do my straight imitation um i mean i it's really hard for me to to butch it up, but I, I mean I've done it. Uh, I don't think I ever landed any of those jobs where I had to be like, "Yeah, this is a great bun. Let's go meet some girls." You know, and it's exactly you hear that. Do you think that person's straight when you hear that that tone of voice? No, you don't. It's like so. Yes, I am a straight human. Please uh, give me this acting job. Um, oh goodness! But I was actually in the uh, so. Uh, when I was coming out and working retail at the same time, I at first didn't come out to anyone at the store and it was a new store. So no one knew me. So it like didn't matter with it. But for some reason I was like, it's none of their business if I'm gay. So I was sort of playing a part until one day we were, I was like working on having to change a mannequin and a girl, one of the girls there was, was, uh, that worked there was helping me. And we were lifting up. She's like, Robert, I am going to tell everyone, because I just saw you do it to that mannequin, I'm going to tell everyone that you touch boys' bums. And I was like, okay, this is it. (laughs) I was like, okay, well, I think I should tell you I'm gay, so if you tell people that, that's not good. And she was like, what? And then the first thing you have to tell me is how some people got caught in the washroom having gay sex. I was like, this is the, I'm the person to tell that to immediately after I come out. That's exactly what, what I do. Well, I digressed a bit on that. Um, (laughs) Take that to my therapist instead this week. Uh, Well, how about you? Have you had to, have you butched, butched it up successfully or unsuccessfully? Sometimes too successfully. um, Actually, Ah. so... When I was young, um, in high school, I was I was probably ready to come out when I was in grade 10. I was, like, wow. raring to go. I was like, I need to come out. I need to take ownership of my life. But I was dating a man or a boy at that time, and mm-hmm. he was not ready to come out. And he asked me to stay in the closet because he was worried that if I came out, then people would know that he was gay. Now... The ironic thing is all of our friends had deduced he was gay since grade seven. So I was just, I was like, okay, you know what? Okay. Like he was like the most flamboyant. Like it was, it was just so clear. And I was like, (laughs) you know what? Okay. He is not ready. I will support him. And then, so it it was funny because I, I I then, I didn't end up coming out until after we broke up in university Mm -hmm. and I actually thought that I was being, like, super passive-aggressive in coming out. Like, I couldn't physically um, say that I was gay, but I felt like I was, like, doing things to drop hints so people could figure it out. So, by the time I came out, I literally, Robert, I literally assumed everybody knew. I was like, I've been dropping hints because clearly (laughs) I wanted to come out. Um, And, uh, Robert, everyone was shocked. People did not believe me. I don't ah. know, like. I was shocked that they were shocked. Cause I was like, "I'm so gay. I don't know how." Like people, oh wow! Like 
I think it's because, like, you know, growing up, I always played sports. Even when I moved to Toronto, I played sports, like, six times a week. And sometimes mm. people overlook that if you're, like, you know, one of the sports MVPs of your school and you're playing, like, multiple sports. They just don't see you as gay for some weird reason, even though I feel like I've been flamboyant most of my life. So, <laughs> um and honestly, Robert, so um, the way that I came out was I actually wrote an article in the newspaper um, and it was a poem talking about like my first love and it literally started about like how I fell in love with a man. And Robert, my university friends were so in denial and no. so in disbelief that when they read the article, they were like, oh, you're writing from the perspective of a female. Is this like a feminist dissertation of like the female mind and of like oppression. And I was like, no, I was like, literally, I was like, <laughs> it literally just says I fell in love with a man. It's because I fell in love with a man. I was like, don't y'all are taking it too far. You're reading a lot into it. So for me, butching it up, I really try my best not to, um, but somehow and shockingly to me, uh, sometimes people don't believe me, which I think is very weird. Um, I think it's weird, but I mean, I, I know you, I, I know you well enough, I guess, but I mean, <laughs> sure. Okay. I, yes, I, you're probably one of my butchest friends is what I, what, when I, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're laughing. I didn't mean that at all. Uh, it's a funny thing. Yeah, I mean, time, you know, time passes and it's like we become more comfortable in ourselves and maybe, you know, I know I'm definitely more uh, flamboyant and more comfortable in my own skin than I was when I was a teenager, you know, especially growing up as a, as a Mormon kid. That'll that'll do wonders for you. Mm. Uh, but it, so you say like people not believe you when you come out. I was like, I was I mean, for me coming out to friends. I was like, I have something to tell you. We know, Rob. It's like, oh. <laughs> it's like I didn't have to tell anyone. They're all like, yeah, we could. Yeah. We've been trying to tell you for years, actually. Mm -mm. It's like, mm, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh, goodness. Goodness. Um, but either way, we're both in yeah. happy spots now with our, with, with how we, I think we're both acting like our genuine selves these days. I mean, me most of the time. Yeah, except when absolutely. I'm working retail. <laughs> now, has there been like a recent incident, like, you know, with this movie in particular, it's about meeting more conservative parents was mm. that um if with your partner's parents were they i don't know are were they gasp like republican <laughs> and did you feel pressure no i did i didn't um while they were I, they were more surprised uh than uh than i guess my parents were when i came out when my partner came out to his parents so they were they were still they were still dealing with it when they met met me so that was uh you know i i guess i got to witness that but no they were both very very kind and they weren't conservative I, I was the one coming from the conservative background uh and oh. and being and being like you know yes i'm yeah yes i'm gay but i'm really scared of everything that has to do with it because uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> i'm just i'm just little little you know, small town boy from <laughs> Vancouver Island. I didn't know any better. Uh, no, I, 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 oh, wow. I, I didn't have to worry about dealing with, I mean, I dealt with conservative people like my, so my family, my, when my mom, my mom passed away and my dad remarried, I had to go into a Mormon church for his next wedding. Um, and that was interesting dealing with people who I knew as a child 
who now knew, and I'm an adult, and they also know that I'm gay, and I know that they don't approve of that. Uh, that was interesting. I had, standing in, like, the wedding receiving line, I had people who tried to skip me, uh, who did not want to shake my hand. Uh, and this wow. wasn't during a pandemic, so they were actually just homophobic bastards. Um, <laughs> but yeah, even the, even the bride's, the bride's brother tried to skip me in line, and I knew his name was like, you're shaking my hand whether you like it or not. And quite honestly, I think that's when I was feeling very butch when I did that. <laughs> but yeah, hey, I mean, it's hard to change people's minds. All we can do is be, you know, who we are. So. Yeah, with, with, uh, with like, boyfriend's parents, I know the toughest one was... Um, one of my boyfriends, well, actually, my first three boyfriends were all farmers. And so this was the, the third boyfriend. Sorry, that's uh, hot. <laughs> I had to go to his, <laughs> I had to go to, uh, I had to go to his uh, parents' farm. And it was really tough because, like, when I came out to my parents, a really important thing for me was, like, I'm not coming out halfway. I'm not coming out and asking for your permission. Like, it's like, mm -hmm. either you accept me or you don't. I'm not coming out apologetically. But my that particular boyfriend did come out a little bit apologetically. It was like, okay, I'm gay, but like you know, still love me anyway. Um, so like he sort of let them impose rules. Like we couldn't stay in the same room. We had it was just so awkward. And like I'm just, I don't like, like you know, and especially at that time after already having two boyfriends, I, I'm I'm not big on like holding in who I am and that that was just a really tough weekend. I was like I'm in this it. like room by myself. Every time we eat we're just talking up it's like okay, it's good that they accepted your gayness enough to let me come over, but it's almost like you know, they're acting like oh they're doing me a favor, like they're acknowledging my existence as long as I not too gay or whatever. It was yeah, honestly, it was it was pretty disastrous. Well, it's, it, it, and this is something that we all have to do. Uh, a lot of us at least have to do as queer people is we have to adjust for other people's learning curves so often. Um, and this sounds like a case where they're like, uh, we're sort of accepting you. And but we don't know. That. I mean, that's why organizations like like PFLAG are so important for parents. so They can be like, OK, we're going to we're going to show you how to support your child <laughs> in a way that is not mm -hmm. uh, putting the onus on your child to educate you and, and uh, all that, because that, that is one of the biggest things that coming as is the amount of education we have to do for other people. And it sounds like. This was a this was an a, this was an instance where these people needed more education before they were ready to meet a boyfriend is what it sounds like. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sorry that happened. happened. You deserve better, but I mean, you had three farmers. In a way, I'm a bit jealous. <laughs> well, you know what it was is like. Um, so I grew up in Winnipeg, and I, you know, I at that time when I first came out, and I guess even still now, like I, I live a very clean life. I've never had a you know, I've never had a sip of alcohol, never had um, any drugs or um, like, I never even had a, I've never even had a cup of coffee my entire life. Oh my God. And yet so, I still have fun with you. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Most people do get worried at first until they see that I, I actually am a, am a fun, sober person. Um, Can I tell you, I didn't uh, notice. I have not noticed. I have not noticed that you don't drink at all. I'm just like I'm just progressively getting drunk through the evening. Be like, ah, oh, Vong's great. Ah, it's like I don't even. Maybe it's because I'm I'm drunk. I don't notice. 
but uh, you know what's funny i i quite often get mistaken for being drunk i do <laughs> like um at my high school i guess the equivalent of prom um because we don't have prom in canada but like the equivalent of my high school prom yeah um somebody called my parents and like ratted me out saying i was like passed out <laughs> drunk and i was like I didn't even drink. I just really liked to dance. I was like, this is ridiculous. I was like, I was like, I'll take a blood test, mom. Like, I literally didn't drink. I was just on the dance floor all night. Oh yeah, I, I do get mistaken for being drunk um, a lot. So anyway, so like <laughs> when I first came out, I was trying to find other people who didn't like, you know, drink or smoke or do drugs or whatever. Um, and around Winnipeg, there's like a large like Mennonite <laughs> farmer um, community and they don't drink or do drugs. So, like, my first three boyfriends, because it's very hard finding, like, university-age gays who don't drink, right? Yeah. So, uh... I mean, you'd have to hang out with the Mormons like I would have been, but... (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Mormons. Mormons and Mennonites. But, uh... (laughs) <laughs> but there you go. And just in case anybody's wondering, I do not have that same requirement anymore. It was just when I was first coming out and I didn't know any better. Now I will date anybody, whether they drink or not. I'm not that crazy. He'll date um, anybody. <laughs> um, uh, cool. Well, uh, you know, I think that wraps up our episode. Thank you again, Robert. That was an amazing discussion. I love the movie. I loved hearing about your um, your times in your life where you had to butch it up. Um, I'm pushing it up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never heard those stories before about you you at work and, and such. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty funny. Um, I'd like to thank our listeners as well. Um, I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for gay super cute asians we'll be back next week with a another episode of you better represent and that's what's up this podcast has been brought to you by the sonar network